0: Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, culture, or the future. Handpicked from theoutline.com. I'm your host, James T. Green, and this is The Dispatch.
1: Rumble to Harry Schaefer. In regards to Mrs. Padgett's account, contact her and. In- culture. culture.
2: It took me a while to write a critique of Nanette, the Australian comedian Hannah Gatsby's universally praised one-woman Netflix special that premiered in June, because I couldn't
0: quite figure out what I hated about it. Freelance writer Peter Moskowitz.
2: But when my cis-straight liberal parents told me how much they loved it, the reason for my dislike coalesced. In order to make cis-straight viewers feel comfortably woke, Gatsby shits on an entire language of comedy developed over decades, largely by Jews and
0: queers. So who is Hannah Gatsby?
2: Hannah Gatsby is an Australian comedian um, who has been around for a while, but she's best known for her recent Netflix special called Nanette.
1: I don't feel comfortable in a small town. I get a bit tense, mainly because I'm in this situation. And in a small town, that's all right, from a distance. People are like, oh, good bloke. I love being mistaken for a man. I, lo- I wouldn't want to be a straight white man. Not if you paid me, although the pay would be substantially better. <laughs>
0: which has kind of taken the internet by storm over the last few months. What do you mean by taking it by storm? Uh, it's been
2: really universally praised by Slate.
0: Hannah Gadsby's Nanette shows how comedy is broken and leaves us to pick up the pieces. The New Yorker. The comedian forcing stands up to confront the Me Too era.
2: New York Times.
0: Perhaps you've heard Hannah Gadsby is angry and she is amazing.
2: Essentially, every outlet that reviews things like this gave it a positive review. And not only gave it a positive review, but, you know, said that it was revolutionary, that it would change comedy forever.
0: And of course, it's like when you hear so many people liking something, you got to be like, all right, what's really going on with it?
2: Yeah, of course. And that's what kind of drew me to writing this piece was, you know, if this was just another milk toast Netflix special that didn't really garner any attention, I wouldn't feel the need to, like, view it critically. But because it was garnering so much universal praise I had to figure out what the reason was and and whether there was something bigger going on or deeper going on than the actual content of the special.
0: Interesting. So, like, the biggest thing that kind of uh, drew me to this piece is, like, at the very beginning, you mentioned that your parents really liked her comedy. So, like, first, tell me how that conversation went.
2: Sure. And I should say that the the two uh, most critical things I've gotten in response to writing this (laughs) are both from my parents being like, hey, we're... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're more radical than liberals,
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, no. But, you know what I, I guess? What I meant by that first paragraph is the special doesn't feel like it's for people like me and my friends. Like I'm queer, I'm non-binary. A lot of most of my friends are trans and or non-binary or queer in some way. And most of us. I mean, I think a lot of queer people did feel moved by it, but most of the people I was talking to didn't but yeah everywhere i would turn whether it was like in the media or like to my parents or whatever there were a lot of straight cis people who were saying how how revolutionary this piece was and and how it really gave them a new perspective on things and while there's nothing wrong with that it just made me start to question like who's the actual audience for this special
0: hmm. so before we dig into this can you give me like a quick breakdown on what the special was like what was it about
2: yeah so nanette starts the first half hour is you know, kind of, what I would say, run-of-the-mill comedy that you see a lot of queer people perform.
1: And he goes, keep away from my girlfriend, you fucking freak! And, and she's just stepped in going, whoa, stop it, it's a girl! And he's going, whoa, sorry. <laughs> he said, sorry, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't hit women. He said, what a guy! I don't hit women. (laughs) How about you don't hit anyone? Good rule of thumb. He goes, sorry, (laughs) I got confused. He said, I thought you were a fucking (laughs) fucker. Trying to crack onto my girlfriend.
2: Her making jokes about how people perceive her appearance because she's a butch lesbian, they confuse her for a man, being harassed uh, for for looking that way. Um, And... It's kind of mildly funny, um, nothing too, nothing too out of the ordinary there. But then the last half of the special, she kind of breaks down all of what she's just said, um, and especially she goes back to this first joke where she says someone harassed her, um, and says actually I stopped telling the story halfway through the first time around because it ends in me being assaulted and no one would find that funny. Hmm. And she also goes into you know critique of comedy in general, saying that you know if she is self-deprecating talking about assault and you know the the difficulty of being queer in this world that she is kind of letting the audience make fun of her and exploiting herself and her trauma in order for the audience to understand her pain she talks about the problems with men in comedy which is you know the part i really agree with because i think there is obviously a huge problem with like sexism in comedy and everywhere else (laughs) Mm um but it's kind, of, it's kind of in the critique she has of comedy as a genre as a whole, and the uses of self-deprecation and humour in general, that I really started to disagree with her and get pretty angry.
1: Uh, so I'm not very experienced in, in you know, controlling anger, it's not my place to be angry on a comedy stage, I'm supposed to be doing self-deprecating humour. Um, people feel safer when men do the angry comedy, uh, they're the kings of the genre when i do it i'm just a miserable lesbian ruining all the fun on the banter when men do it heroes of free speech okay
0: yeah so let's go into that a little bit more like what do you mean by what do you mean by that so, so
2: as as a queer person and and as a jew self-deprecation comedy in general but it's been especially self-deprecation has been so important to me it's a way to kind of understand my feelings my own traumas you know i joke about things that are really scary about being queer, about being Jewish, about my family's history all the time, not because I want to make light of them or make other people understand uh, what it's like, but because it helps me as a person to feel better for myself. And for Gatsby to take a completely negative view of that and say, that's not an appropriate way to express anger or tell a story that only full quote unquote full stories which is the term she uses Hmm. uh will will get the truth to me seems completely ridiculous and like a a misreading of of comedy um and as i say in the piece like yeah there's a lot of bad comedy out there but you could also listen to macklemore and decide that all rap is bad or (laughs) watch take with Liam Neeson and decide all oh, movies star Liam Neeson. If she's deciding comedy is inadequate for trauma, she's just not looking at the right comedy. Mm.
0: So I'm curious, like, is your critique in this case more of her brand of comedy, or is it more of the public digestion of this comedy?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. I I think whenever you make art that is universally praised by a cis straight audience as a queer person you have to be uh, a little wary of the art you're making because there's a reason that that happens and so I do place a little bit of the blame on her as a comedian as an artist um, because she you know especially since she's saying she doesn't want to make things that are easily digestible for people then why is this so easily digestible for everyone <laughs> at the same time I do think it is the uh, fault of of the media um, and I re- I relate it to how the media reacted to Ta-Nehisi Coates' book Between the World and Me, which is like a lot of white, straight cis writers saying how revolutionary it was without actually challenging themselves in any way to like, or implicating themselves in the problem. And I think that's what Nanette does. Um, It allows people to empathize queer pain in a way that feels very readable and safe for them without actually challenging them without making them uncomfortable um and in that way kind of lets them in on on a language that's been developed over so many years by queers and jews and other oppressed groups um and to me just seems to that's that's the point of of what comedy is to me
0: yeah, it's like almost like the equivalent of. Um, I think like the Tanhisi example is great, as in it's like a very easy way, at least what I've noticed with white folks in general, to show and silently show that like, oh yeah, I'm I'm with it, I understand by you know being seen, reading this book on the subway, or having it comfortably on your nightstand for friends to see when you come over. You right, know?
2: and there you know there's nothing necessarily wrong with that book but the way it's been used um kind of shows that the the mainstream media you know without it's not like people in smoke-filled rooms discussing this but that there's a there's a reason that it becomes so popular and it's because exactly because of that because it doesn't actually challenge people um and if it were to challenge people if it were to say oh we need to overthrow capitalism or we need to you know white people actually need to like put their money where their mouth is to, to overcome racism or something, I'm sure it would be a lot less popular and a lot less well-reviewed in, uh, in so many prestigious magazines.
0: Totally. So I want to turn it on its head here. So why do you, f- why do you feel that the um, mainstream media uh, really gravitated to this as like something that they wanted to push up and call it so radical and groundbreaking?
2: I think there are two reasons. One, we live in like a wokeness industrial complex. <laughs>
0: ah, that's so good.
2: <laughs> Um, And, you know, you see this, this is the other thing that kind of pissed me off about Nanette is like she said, full stories are the only way to express trauma. But we live in this world where people are producing thousands of essays a day uh, on their experience with racism or queerness or whatever, and that hasn't come any uh, closer to solving any of those things than comedy has. Um, and that's not the fault of essays, and it's not the fault of comedy, it's the fault of, you know, this kind of exploitative system that we're in where publications turn those stories into uh, into clicks and into content that's digestible. But I do The media right now is kind of obsessed with having this veneer of of quote-unquote wokeness and that gatsby's comedy makes it really easy for them because as i said it's digestible it doesn't actually challenge anyone um and it's popular and easily accessible for them Mm -hmm. so you know there's queer comedy going on in the basements of new york city clubs right now that if an atlantic reporter went to go see they wouldn't understand at all or it would make them deeply uncomfortable because of the subject matter or how vulgar it is or whatever. And that's not going to get called revolutionary because uh, that Atlantic writer, that Slate writer, whoever uh, is really not going to understand it. What Nanette does and why critics like it so much is because it allows them to think that they understand queer culture without actually having to engage in -hmm. most of queer culture.
0: Man, and that, and that Macklemore uh, metaphor really rings true (laughs) in that, in that perspective.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, The people who are saying this is revolutionary don't understand comedy, like even Richard Pryor, even um, Dave Chappelle, Sarah Silverman. Like if you read closely enough into what they're doing, they're doing more than just making fun of themselves.
0: So it's interesting that you bring up um, like those comedians as an example of uh, comedy, because like they have... Controversial past. I mean, like I think of Sarah Silverman and blackface, and like kind of this idea of like there is a benefit in pushing comedy forward versus it being kind of the milk toast alternative. But it's like I don't know if you're curious about this as well. But like, what do you think was going on in um, Hannah Gatsby's head?
2: Yeah, I mean, Sarah Silverman <laughs> has done extremely problematic stuff, as have many comedians. Um, and what I mean is that. By, you know, saying we can find something in these in these comedians is not that we should worship them or call them radical instead of Hannah Gatsby, but just that any piece of art is worthy of dissection and can you know be as problematic as Sarah Silverman is. I can still watch some of her things and have them feel deeply resonant to me, especially as a Jew. Um, I use the example of like she has this great routine where she like comes out on stage and is like,
0: "People think Jewish women aren't sexy. That's such bullshit, you know. Put on a sexy negligee, yeah,
1: I know, I know, I know.
2: <laughs> And it's you know, it struck struck me so deeply because it's this feeling I have I've had for so much of my life that I can't be sexy. I can't. Uh, be beautiful because of of my Jewishness, and my point in the piece is like, yeah, Sarah Silverman sucks because a lot of the things she said, but she's also said something that resonates so deeply with me that you can't just dismiss all of comedy because some of it is problematic, right? Um, <laughs> And so, But I, I do understand where Gatsby is coming from in the sense of you look at Louis C.K., um, you look at uh, Chappelle's transphobia uh, in his last few specials, mm-hmm. uh, and you look at what's still popular comedy, and it's, it sucks. It sucks that there's not better shit out there. The solution to me, though, doesn't seem to be to dismiss comedy as a whole. It seems to me to... Uh, to be to critique the system that allows that that transphobic and racist and misogynist garbage to float to the top and suppress everything else.
0: It almost seems like your trademark, the Wokeness Industrial Complex, is responsible for how this special came about. Yeah, whether she knows it or not.
2: Right. It's the same Wokeness Industrial Complex, and I'm going to use that term 7,000 times. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Uh, It's the same Wokeness Industrial Complex that Allows all of this garbage comedy that Hannah Gatsby hates to come to the surface and be popularized, and then uses Hannah Gatsby's special as an ameliorant for all that garbage. And it it's the same system that actually suppresses anything radical in comedy or in any other j- genre. So so it's it's I don't see Gatsby as a as a solution to all all that other comedy. I see as part and parcel of this you know insular system of like. ...promoting garbage and then critiquing it.
1: I've given you an hour a taste. I have lived a life. The damage done to me is real and debilitating. I will never flourish. But this is why I must quit comedy. Because the only way I can tell my truth... ...and put tension in the room is with anger. And I am angry and I believe I've got every right to be angry... But what I don't have a right to do is to spread anger. I don't. Because anger, much like laughter, can connect a room full of strangers like nothing else. But anger, even if it's connected to laughter, will not relieve tension because anger is a tension. It is a toxic, infectious tension. And it knows no other purpose than to spread blind hatred, and I want no part of it because I take my freedom of speech as a responsibility. And just because I can position myself as a victim does not make my anger constructive. It never is constructive.
0: So I, I heard you. I heard you men- earlier mention about some of these radical queer comedians that you know are mm-hmm. playing basements in New York, and if people you know are looking at this and are like, "All right, I want to," I want to you know, watch and listen to some good shit versus right. Malcolm Moore, Who should people be paying attention to?
2: The two I'm most familiar with are TalkHole.
1: Casting loved your follower ratio. Your collection of music festival wristbands will outlive you. Is
2: Stella Artois a lesbian? Yes. And uh, also something called Game Show. G-A-Y-M-E Show. Uh, Game show is with Cola Escola, who's probably one of the most popular of these like alt uh, gay comedians. And you know, I should I should say like there's nothing necessarily radical, like they're not railing against capitalism or, or something in every one of their shows, but they're they're breaking form, they're challenging what comedy can be, and they're also not caring about making it readable to to assist straight
0: audience which is what I like about it. That was freelance writer Peter Moskowitz. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Where can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at PTRMSK.
0: Yeah, and um, good luck with your mentions. (laughs) (laughs) The Outline World Dispatch is produced and hosted by me, James C. Green. Our music is courtesy of APM, and our theme is by The Fantastic, John Lagomarsino. I'm James C. Green. See you later.
2: if anyone wants to argue with me I have muted the thread and I will not respond
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it